Welcome to episode 16 of the Pop Anime Comics Lounge. My guest today is voice actor Joshua Seth, the voice of Ty from Digimon. But before we get into the interview, I'd like to remind everybody, please follow me on Twitter at Pop Anime Comics for all updates regarding this podcast and my website. And please check out PopAnimeComics.com for when you click on those affiliate links in the article and purchase an item from Amazon.com, I get a small commission which helps keep this podcast up and running so without further ado let's dive right into the interview how did you first discover voice acting in anime it's those are two questions really how did you first discover voice acting and how did you first discover voice acting for anime the anime part that comes through the movie akira which we'll get to later how do i know because i'm a mind reader no because you sent me the questions so that we'll get to later but how did I discover voice acting? Actually, funny story about that. My dad is a psychologist, but when I was growing up, he was a radio psychologist as well. That's kind of how he built his business, sort of like that old show, Frasier. So he was a radio psychologist, and I would occasionally go with him to the radio studio, and it felt very comfortable to me. Like, that was kind of take-your-kid-to-work day in our family because he couldn't exactly take me to see him working on patients that would be wrong so instead I watched him do uh, you know work the mic in a radio station and, and take calls over the air and some you know sometimes I I'd chime in I'm not really sure in retrospect if I was actually going out live on the air or that was just for my benefit but fast forward a few years I went to a uh, performing arts college in uh, New York called Tisch School of the Arts at NYU I wandered up onto the eighth floor soon after I got there and I saw their radio station and yeah, the city was unfamiliar to me and the, the school was unfamiliar to me, but that radio studio, that felt very familiar and comfortable. So in short order, I got my own radio show and that's kind of how I first discovered voice acting for myself, initially through uh, my exposure from my dad's show, but then by having my own show at WNYU New York City, 50,000 watt station going out to three states. And I do funny voices like that because it was a late night show and I didn't really think anybody was listening anyway. So kind of Jonathan Winters style, I would call in, I'd pretend to be the callers calling in to, to request things or annoy the host. But the, both sides of the conversation were me and I do a bunch of voices. And then when I, by the time I got out of college, I had a really good demo reel of me doing voices on my own show to present to an agent in Hollywood. That's how it got started. So when did you discover the world of anime? Anime was when I was there in New York and I went to see a movie called Akira, or some people correctly call it Akira. It was playing at an art house theater in Greenwich Village. And I had no idea what to expect, but I liked animation. I liked voice work. I walked in and I walked out mind blown because this is the first time I'd ever seen animation for adults like to the point where it was wholly inappropriate for kids to watch it and if any of the listeners out there have not seen Akira you need to watch it because it's like the best thing I've ever voiced because later on I got to be a part of it but at this point it was the original dub which to my mind was not done very well but it didn't matter because it was it was new and it was it was raw and it was visceral and it was it was just a work of art and something that American audiences had never seen before. And I thought, wow, this is this is going to be the future of animation. This anime uh, is is really fresh and and intriguing. And yeah, I want to be involved in it. Now there wasn't anime 
out there in the popular culture the way that there is now or has been since. Uh, you know, what was out there was still kind of old school, like Bugs Bunny or whatever the, you know, the stuff that I grew up on in the 80s is kind of, for the most part, forgettable shows because the, the, there was no, they, they didn't, they didn't have plots that progressed from episode to episode. They didn't engage you at past a certain age, really, unless the jokes were written for adults. It, 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 it really was a, a kind of a more, more basic form of animation that was out there that was geared for kids. And uh, once I saw Akira, I kind of, like, everything clicked together in my head, and I, I saw that I wanted to be a part of this. Uh, and, and luckily, the, the culture agreed and this became uh something of a movement like a a new form of animation that uh, that took over for a while and at that point of course i was out in hollywood and had a chance to be a part of it so what was your first anime role that you voice acted in i want to say i might be mistaken i think imdb probably knows better than me but to my memory it was a show called honeybee hutch for saban and I met a lot of people at Saban as a result of doing that. It was 64 episodes, and I was the lead character. Now, I, I did do one little bit on something that Doug Stone hired me through. He's a, a director that became a friend out there and supporter. A, a little, like a, a kid on a pirate show, but I can't remember the name of that show. It was just one little bit, but it was enough for them to see that, you know, I knew what I was doing behind the mic and was reliable and a kind of a good guy to work with. Like, all that stuff's important beyond just your technique of your voice you also have to be able to be worked with people want to know that you can take direction and that you're going to show up and you're not going to be a jerk that kind of thing so i did have that one quick brief little experience on the mic in a saban show whatever it was and then right from there to voicing the lead on honeybee hutch i think that was the voice honeybee hutch honeybee hutch that's pretty close and I don't know what ever happened to that series. It was pretty good, honestly. And it was it was very cute. It was for kids. It was anime. A little a little bee with these giant eyes, and and I was the title character. And by the end of sixty four episodes, man, like that that was a good training ground. And and I understood how to voice things for anime, how to match lip flaps, and do all the technical things necessary to voice a project that's already been animated previously and i knew a lot of people in the saban organization and ultimately in fox kids as a result and it, it kicked things off in the right way so how do you prepare for voice acting in terms of my physical preparation i do uh, breathing exercises focusing and centering exercises actually it's all the stuff that's in my book i wrote a book which we can get into later uh, for anybody that wants to look it up it's called finding focus in a busy world but ultimately in terms of my physique my voice my emotions my energy it's all that focusing and centering work that i learned as an actor and that i now apply to uh, to voice work in fact i did it right before this call here today uh, it involves some breathing techniques and some uh, uh, postural alignment and I even have a, like a little mini trampoline here in my home office I jump up and down on for a few minutes to get the blood moving get the body oxygenated and so forth there's a bunch of, of these uh, technical techniques that we won't have time to get into right now but that are in the book and then in terms of the audition I like a very little direction like what's the age what's the good guy bad guy what you know what type of, of character is this what's the relationship to the other people in the scene 
what's the sort of the tone and the pace of the scene or the series or the movie, whatever it is that it's for. And then, all right, well, let's see what my first take on this is. And generally it'll be in the ballpark of what they want. I, I've, I think more in, information is uh, uh, just kind of puts you too much in your head as a performer. So I, I just want the answers to those few basic questions and then like, let's see what comes out. So as a voice actor, you appeared in Macross Plus. How did you receive this role and how did you audition for it? That was, <laughs> it's interesting when, I, when, when you ask me this stuff, my mind flips back to a class. Like one of the only classes that I took in Hollywood, I'm like the people that you meet in life and the things that you do, they all connect, but you don't see those connections until sometimes years later. But I remember like the people that I met in all those early shows, like Macross Plus and uh, and Gundam, and uh, there was Giant Robot I did, and and um, whatever that pirate show was that I can't remember, and later on Ark of the Lad, and 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 even Digimon, like all these people, the initial context came through uh, animation class that I took right when I came out to Hollywood, and each time I met a person or went on an audition, like I, I, it, would, it would increase my network from zero. It was literally zero when I went out to Hollywood to you know, the, all the people that count and, and, and made a difference. It, it did take years to make that happen, though. Perfect segue into Digimon. You voiced Ty from Digimon. How did that come about? That was, uh, that was very game-changing. I, uh, I had no idea what it was, of course, when I was going in to audition for it. It was, you know what it was? Uh, the guy that was directing the audition was at a poker game that I was hosting. Th this is this networking stuff that I'm talking about, right? So I would host a, a Hollywood home game, poker game every Thursday night, and my house was walking distance from Warner Brothers Animation. It was really convenient for people. And people would come and, and we'd play Texas Hold'em and, you know, being a magician and everything, they would always make jokes about, oh, we're going to go to a magician's house. I don't, I don't know if your listeners know this about me, but I'm a touring entertainer like uh, now I'm more of a magician of the mind but back then it was more straight magic and card manipulation and things like that where a lot of us start and uh, so like I'd kick the, the games off doing some sleight of hand stuff and dealing everybody bad hands and me all four aces and, and then they'd say that's it Joshua doesn't get to deal anymore for the rest of the night and then we'd all have you know a good time out on the back deck at some point I was knocked out of the game this guy was knocked out of the game and he said you know it would be fun you should come by next week we're having this audition the show's called Digimon I think you'd be good for this this part and it was just a very social casual offhanded thing and this is how a lot of my better auditions occurred over time was, was through these personal contacts and getting to know people uh, outside of the studio so I said sure so I stopped by therefore there was no pressure Right, I had no expectation. Nothing was built up in my head. Uh, I, I wasn't going into my agent to audition as would be typical. So I didn't have all the the, the noise and confusion of fifty other actors around me. I wasn't in a, a a big studio either. It was just I remember where it was. It was it was in the valley uh, in L.A. in this little studio. Like there's nothing about it about the whole experience that made it seem like this was going to be anything special. So as a result, there was no pressure. I, I think I looked at a drawing of Ty and I put my body in the pose, you know, that kind of classic pose where he's running with Agumon. So like I'm doing it right now and, and I'm getting that feeling like, come on, let's save 
the world. And I just sort of did that. I probably even said that. Come on, guys. How's that sound? And he goes, yeah, that's pretty good. And I went back and, and uh, I just I just had fun with it. And I used that per- part of my personality that is Thai. I didn't layer anything on top of it. I just made my voice a little bit younger. And it's my normal energy, uh, my normal personality. But just hyped up a little like that. And it worked. you know. And obviously, we all know what happened with Digimon. And it totally changed my career. So would you say that your best auditions were the most fun auditions that you did? Yeah, definitely. Because if you, if you, as an actor, if you make too big a deal out of it or you uh, start thinking too much about, you know, oh, there's, like I've done TV specials, for instance, now, like on-camera TV specials for the, for the psychological illusion stuff uh, that I do. I was just on TV in New Zealand a couple of weeks ago. I did two different shows in the same morning after spending like 30 hours traveling. And if you start thinking like, oh, I'm tired, I'm jet lagged, or oh, there's a million people or two million people that are going to watch this. Yeah, that's not fun anymore. Then you're, you're, that's going to come across. You're going to uh, reduce uh, what it is that you're able to to give and, and put out when you're too much inside your own head. But if you're just playful about everything and you don't hold it too tight, kind of like sand at the beach, you can hold a lot more if you are if you just kind of uh, lightly grasp it. Then if you're just clinging to it, then all the sand is going to uh, sort of uh, melt through your fingers. Well, a lot of life is like that. You just got to hold it with a really light touch. And so I've approached a lot of my performing that way as well. So you mentioned that Digimon was a game changer for you when did you realize that Digimon was this big and this exciting and this popular that it really like upped your career at some point uh, in the midst of the first season which of course by that point we had already recorded a bunch of stuff but you know by the middle of the first season airing I started to get a lot of opportunities for gigs that I'd never gotten before for other cartoons, other shows on Fox Networks. There's something called the breakdown services where they list what the auditions are. At one point, I saw my name in it. It said, we're looking for a Joshua Seth type. Of course, that pissed me off and I called my agent. I'm like, why are they looking for a Joshua Seth type when Joshua Seth is right here? And the answer I was given was, I'm on too much stuff and they don't want me, you know, they want to overexpose my voice. So that, like, that all happened because of momentum that was created by Digimon, which was the number one cartoon in the country for Saturday Morning Fair at that point. And then the best thing that happened was I actually had the opportunity to become the promo announcer for Fox Kids and for uh, for the WB. After that, I started promoing all these other shows, too. Next on the Batman, on an all-new, actually, I even did Pokemon, on an all-new Pokemon, on all these other shows on the network. And that became an even better gig in some respects than the cartoons, because it was so consistent. And this was at Warner Brothers, the Warner Brothers Ranch, uh, which was walking distance from my house, which was nice, too. I'd walk over and I'd do promo for like all the Saturday morning programming block uh, for, the, for the coming week. Uh, an hour later, I'd be done. And uh, that, was a, that was a sweet gig. And it never would have happened without being able to promo the Digimon show, which never would have happened if Digimon hadn't been that big. Now, you were also involved with Cyborg 009. Yeah, it's a good series. What were the challenges of pulling this voice off? Because it's very different from Digimon. Is it? Like, I, I know it probably sounds different, to the listener, but to me in doing it, it doesn't feel like that different. Like generally, I mean, I could do hundreds of voices as most, you know, I could I could do the silly voices. And that was a mistake I made when I first went out to Hollywood, actually, is I had like 200 voices in three minutes or something ridiculous uh, on my demo tape. 
And then the casting director goes, well, this maybe, hopefully they go, this guy is talented, but we don't know where to put him. We don't know what to do with him. And then all the stuff that I did that kind of kind of hit was just some version of my own personality. The same with Cyborg 009. It's like, all right, well, that still feels like me, but I'm pitching it different. You know, the technical aspects of the way that the voice is coming out, that part is different. So it sounds different to you, but the energy of me, that's the same. Does that make sense? Like the one is the sound that you're hearing, but the other is the, the underlying oomph that's coming through. And that's really just still me. So it kind of all feels connected, even, even when it comes to like a villain that I would do in a video game or, you know, another movie, uh, you know, like Tetsuo and Akira or like uh, Chaos and Xenosaga or, or Dio Eleclair. You know, it's pulled back in uh, oh, Last Exile and, and Xenosaga. I think both of those I played villains uh, or Young Knives and Trigon. Even when I'm playing a villain, you know, it's I'm changing the pace. I'm changing the motivations, but I'm not changing who I am because who I am is what I'm bringing to the role. Now to get to one of my favorite animes, and I think it's one of yours as well, Akira. Yeah. When were you approached to do a Tetsu Tetsuo's Tetsuo. voice? Uh, that was pretty cool. Kevin Seymour uh, was putting that project together. <laughs> He's now passed on, but he was uh, he was a good friend and he was a, a, a good a good supporter of a lot of us uh, out there. And, and he was familiar with my work. We'd worked together on other projects, and he just literally called me up and asked me, "Would I be interested in in playing this role?" And you know, am I aware of what it is? Like they'd gotten, I think, a million bucks or something to to redub and remaster the audio so they had you know they had some money to do it right like that's a lot for anime and they knew the people already that they wanted to put in place like me like Johnny Young Bosch and so forth and uh, they they just asked I, I can't recall there even being an audition process at least not for the big roles and it was just going in and working with friends on a movie that had kicked off my whole career uh, so they like they even retranslated uh, a lot of the script so it made more sense and it was very full circle from having gone into that little art house theater when I was in college to see Akira to then having an established voiceover career in Hollywood and being asked to voice the lead. Those are those mind-blowing connections in life that you never see coming. But then when you look back, you see, oh yeah, all everything's been leading me up toward here. And I'm, I'm proud of the work that I did on that. That's one of the only posters, like movie posters of projects that I've done that I actually still have here in my house. I actually have it on Blu-ray DVD in the tin to, to show my kids when they're old enough, which they are not <laughs> by any means yet. Yeah, it's, like, I'm proud of the quality uh, of every component uh, that of Akira, from the voice work to the animation to the storytelling to the sound effects, it, like just everything is so well done in that. And obviously, Akira has many emotional scenes between the two main characters. How did you get that emotion out in your dialogue? Usually, for most for most shows that I did that had been dubbed ahead of time, I would not want to see it done in the original. But in this one, because I I knew it so well, it was pretty easy for me to know the context and you know, how everything was locking together uh so so i already had something in my head you know that the way that i wanted it to sound and be delivered and then the only thing i layered on top of that to get the emotion across the way you're saying is i felt like what was missing in the original dub was authenticity of emotion so it's interesting that you mentioned that so i felt like everything's so hyper realistic in the style of animation for this movie we should have a hyper realistic acting style as well so i did you know it was a more more of a of an approach of seeing how real i can make these responses you know if i'm if there's like my guts are coming out on the ground and i'm going <laughs> like that like i would to some extent feel that right then when i'm doing it and i i would do the same thing 
in the recording session. Okay, listeners, by the way, I'm fine. I know that sounded traumatic, but I did stab myself in order to get that sound, but it's just a light flesh wound. Moving right along. So before we get into promos, uh, do you have any advice for anybody who wants to get into voice acting or the anime scene and industry? Yeah, I mean, any kind of voice. Well, you don't have to go straight to anime. I mean, there's so many more opportunities now than when I started because of the internet, because of YouTube, because of the, the relative ease of putting product out. So you can get together with friends and everybody can take a role and and you can you can create something. I think that's the best way to get started is create your own content, you know, whether it's a podcast or or radio radio theater in some way uh, or a YouTube video if you know somebody that animates or can, you know, put together visuals in a way that can be voiced over. You get a group of friends together that are committed to continuing to put product out and then and don't wait for somebody else to say yes that's my number one piece of advice and then in terms of the voice acting itself be an interesting person have a life because it's you that is that you're bringing to the characters so you can't just consume stuff all the time and just watch stuff and read stuff and listen to stuff and hope to have something to get back you got to go out there and live a life and be an interesting person and take chances as well and there's some technical aspects like breath control and and vocal flexibility i mean i have a background in singing actually in 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 professional touring musical theater when i was a kid so like you know, learn to learn to sing learn to speak uh learn to breathe read things out loud I've read every single Harry Potter book out loud doing all the characters. Uh, even if it's just a magazine that you're reading, read the ad out loud. The, you know, the, the ads, because those ads and those magazines are essentially commercials and you're giving yourself your own commercial audition. And do something to move that process forward each and every day. And then finally, do you have anything you would like to promote? Uh, Facebook, website, Twitter, upcoming shows or books? Yeah, well, here's a few things. I mean, you can you can find out what I'm doing. Like we've talked about uh, some of the TV shows I've done around the world. I've done two TV shows in South Korea and two in Japan. And I'm always putting clips from those up on uh, on my website. If you go to joshuaseth.com, it's just my name, joshuaseth.com, and click the TV button. I keep adding stuff there. There's there's a couple spots I just did in New Zealand. One where I cracked the ATM code for a TV host because he challenged me to do it over the air. That's the stuff I'm doing now. Actually, all my original animation promo is up on that page right now as well. So that's at joshuaseth.com. And then if you're interested in my book, you could pick it up on Amazon, Finding Focus in a Busy World, How to Tune Out the Noise and Work Well Under Pressure. I've spent most of the last year of my life uh, working on this book project. It is everything that's allowed me to be successful in every aspect of my career, whether it's voiceovers, even just moving to Hollywood and, and making a dent there when I knew nobody uh, or I did college in two years I did a four-year program in two years like this is all relating to focus or changing my career change now I live on the other side of the country I do a completely different career it all comes down to focusing techniques that I outline in that book so that's on Amazon actually just because you guys are supposedly, hopefully, by this point, fans, I will even tell you where to get the bonus. You don't even have to buy the book. So if you're strapped for cash or whatever, I mean, books, what, six bucks on Kindle or something? Uh, oh, the audiobook is on iTunes or Audible. I voiced it myself. But the bonuses for the book, you would normally only know if you had the book. I will just tell you where that is right now, just because I'd like everybody, you know, regardless of your funds, to be able to have access to this info. If you go to findingfocusbook.com, findingfocusbook.com, you can get a bunch of free resources resources there and uh, hopefully you will also find 
that interesting and valuable and helpful. And that's about it. Oh, and uh, if you are organizing a con, a Comic-Con, or you're going to one and you'd like to request me as a guest, I've actually been having a great time uh, just getting back into doing these Comic-Cons. Uh, I've got a few of them on the books. I, that was why I was over in New Zealand was I was uh, on the voice panel and, and one of the uh, guests, animation guests at the National Comic-Con of New Zealand. And then I did my live stage show at night too. I think I have one coming up in Wales. I have one coming up in the UK, and I don't know if I have any coming up in America, but I should, and you should request me. So how's that? That's a bunch of stuff there. Thank you so much to everybody who listened, and remember to check us out on Twitter, at PopAnimeComics, as well as subscribe to this podcast so it finds you and you don't find it. Till the next podcast, everybody have a great week.